Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our previous years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by comedian Tim Heidecker that he first shared on the podcast in 2012. It's not for the squeamish, and it's called Sudden Blood. Hello. Turn the music off, please. Um, I'm not going to tell a funny story, but I am a funny person, so it's, uh, um, you're probably going to laugh. So that's good news. Um, it happened uh, in uh, March of 2006. I was living in Los Angeles in uh, Los Feliz. I was living in a little bungalow community and uh, I was asleep. It was around 12.30 at night and I was awoken from my sleep by the uh, pounding of my uh, iron gate and uh, the voice of my neighbor, an, an older woman, screaming, um, Tim, Please help. My son is overdosing. My son is going to die. I don't know what to do. I've called the police. No one's come. I need your help. So um, uh, I get out of bed and put on some sweatpants and a t-shirt and run out of my, uh, my little one-bedroom bungalow and uh, to the right and I run upstairs to the second floor of, of their apartment. Her son, by the way, is um, uh, 17. He's about six foot three um, in community college. And um, I had known them very well. I'd known the family. I'd known um, the mother and the son and the daughter and was very close with them. And they're very friendly, lovely people that I was happy to have as, as neighbors. 
spent uh, some holidays with them. And um, so I was very happy and eager to help and do whatever I can. I was running out of my apartment, running up the stairs barefoot, thinking to myself, I don't know anything about overdosing. I don't know anything about CPR. I don't know what kind of help I'm going to be, but I'll do whatever I can. And um, expecting to find somebody unconscious, you know, I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix with uh, vomit in his mouth. And um, because I was also there during that um, horrible <laughs> experience. Um, and as I'm getting about halfway up the stairs, um, I hear this. And I immediately start running back down the stairs. <laughs> um, it was the scariest sound I've ever heard in my life. It was the sound of this uh, young man. I'm going to start calling him Joe. Uh, that was the sound of Joe, um, but it sounded like a, a lion. It sounded like a beast. And uh, uh, for some reason, my body said, don't go up there, because that's a bad sound. <laughs> I started... <laughs> Uh, I started running the other direction, um, down the sort of middle path of the, uh, of the bungalow, and uh, I, I immediately sensed and felt, and I, th I must have seen uh, him coming right down the stairs uh, after me. And, uh, and he had a knife in his hand. He had an eight-inch kitchen knife. And um, so I continued to run, and I ran out onto uh, Talmadge and uh, up onto Fountain, and uh, I ran up to Sunset Boulevard uh, the entire time, a literally a madman wielding a kitchen knife uh, running mere feet behind me. Again, uh, five minutes ago, sound asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I turn onto Sunset, and if you can, uh, you go on Google Maps, type in Tang's Donuts, and you'll be able to see Tang's Donuts, which is where I uh, ran into the Tang's Donuts parking lot. Uh, it's, a, it's a parking lot where a lot of uh, sort of degenerates and hobos and, and kind of weirdos and like weird chess player kind of types <laughs> hang out. And I'm, I'm literally uh, running around like cars, you know, and, and this, this kid's chasing me. And uh, I, for a second, I'm about to run into Tang's Donuts and, and you know, I think if I had run into T Tang's Donuts, I'd be dead because in Tang's Donuts was nobody except for like a four foot two, you know, 16 year old Korean girl uh, manning the counter who would have been no match for this, uh, this young gentleman. Uh, so I, my brain told me, don't go in there, that's a trap. Um, <laughs> I run across Sunset Boulevard to the McDonald's, which is lit up, uh, and get to the McDonald's door and, and it, they're closed. They're not open past midnight. Um, and I, I kind of had this thought in my head of the scene in, Go in uh, Ghostbusters when uh, Rick Moranis is getting chased by that Sigourney Weaver's beast. Uh, you know, she, that beast, start, you know, basically kills Rick Moranis against this, this window of like the tavern on the green or something. So um, he's again still chasing me. Um, I look to my right, there's a gay bar on the corner called Akbar. And it's Thursday night, there's a tremendous amount of. Uh, I guess you'd call them bears out front. Yeah. Um, large, strapping men, um, smoking cigarettes, bouncers, also a variety of different kinds of men um, out front. And I run into to Akbar um, barefoot and run. I'd been in there once um, with a friend. <laughs> and... Um, I, uh, I ran immediately uh, into the bar and took a left and went directly behind the bar. 
I'm screaming. I'm screaming for my life. I'm screaming, help, help. This person's trying to kill me. Um, he comes right in after me. I mean, the whole time he's literally, you know, 10 feet behind me, between 10 and 5 feet behind me. And um, I, I just kind of collapse uh, behind the bar, and he comes running in full steam into the bar, into 30, into 30 guys. Uh, three or four of the guys tackle him down to the ground, take, him, take the knife out of his hand, and throw the knife on the ground. At this point, um, for the first time, I feel the warmth uh, and uh, wetness of the blood running down my back. Um, I have, to this day, no memory of the actual impact of the knife, which is kind of a fascinating thing to me, that um, I have no, you know, the, the adrenaline running through my, through my veins uh, as I'm being, uh, as I'm running up fountain, uh, I think, prevented any feeling of pain when the actual impact of the knife uh, went into my back twice and, uh, and kept me kind of focused on continuing to run. I mean, has anyone had the dream where they're being chased by a murderer in the middle of the night and you have the feeling that you're running through molasses and you can't move and you're not going to be able to get away? That doesn't happen in real life. You run like a fucking crazy person. <laughs> you run screaming and you, uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I was barefoot and um, running through the middle of the street in the middle of the night to survive, to live. So um, I realized I'm, I'm, I've been, just been stabbed, first time ever being stabbed. <laughs> um, I have the moment of, uh, oh, I'm gonna die in a gay bar, behind the bar. Um, this is gonna be one of those, you know, my parents are gonna have a hard time explaining this story. Um, uh, they, they immediately clear the bar out and I, a, a lovely woman came be behind the bar and um, who was a paramedic student and uh, assisted and gave me some first aid and put some bar towels on my back and really was you know the first line of someone just saying like you're gonna be okay it's not that bad it's gonna be okay um, and as I'm, I'm lying there on the ground like really starting to panic and I, I see these guys walking out and they're all kind of like because mm. by now my shirt's off and I felt really uh, you know I'm not homophobic in any way but I felt very protective and defensive of my body at this point that I was not some kind of piece of meat that you guys can just look at on your way out <laughs> this is very troubling so th there's this, this is the first point when I'm taking I'm being taken out um, to the ambulance I s have this first uh, sudden rush of paranoia and uh, and fear that the family that I'd grown so close to was planning this, and this was a conspiracy, and that this was all as was supposed to have happened. This was their plan, that I was going to be killed this night, and that the way they were going to do it was to uh, arouse me from my sleep and uh, create this false story. So I become really paranoid and, and upset, and, uh, and my girlfriend, who was, her side of the story is incredible as well, because she was asleep as well, and her side of the story was she sees me run out to help somebody and then sees me run down the stairs being chased by a person with a knife. So she came and met me there and, and we went to the hospital and uh, at, you know, the, the, the adrenaline wears off and the pain comes in and you start feeling the pain of a knife in, in the back. What, what, what kind of pain uh, you can imagine would, would be. I don't know if you've ever cut yourself. Um, <laughs> It's a, it's a bigger version of, uh, of cutting yourself. Um, 
I remember being in the emergency room and a variety of uh, doctors and, and policemen and par paramedics um, walking back past me, looking at the uh, at my wound, and going, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" That's what I kept hearing. Oh shit! Is he gonna is he gonna be all right? And I'm like, oh, "Am I like losing blood? I'm like, am I dying? Am I still dying? Like, I know I'm in the hospital, but what if I'm bleeding inside? I don't know. Uh, it really hurts, and it's it's it's, it's hurting more and more." Uh, then um, I was given uh, um, this wonderful drug called Dilaudid. Does anybody know what Dilaudid is? It's heroin. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, really is great. And I recommend if you guys don't have addiction problems, you try it because it's really wonderful. It's the w greatest feeling I've ever had, I've ever had in my life. <laughs> was that drug uh, intravenously uh, uh, going through my, my veins. Um, it, it, it started with a little bit of warmth around the nose. <laughs> and then I just felt like, wow, I could just really, uh, I really love all the people around me and I could really just be here for the rest. This is the most comfortable I've ever been. Um, <laughs> so I'm not gonna get into any opiates. I think that's a good lesson. Um, <laughs> So, um, and then a, a kind of the, the, the sister of the brother showed up and was, uh, was, was a really great friend and, and still is a great friend. And we, may, we caught eyes and she looked at me as if, you know, as if her brother had killed somebody and, and with a look of, of regret and remorse and guilt that, I, you know, I'd never want to see again and we just both we're sobbing and she's, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. This is clearly, uh, you know, the, the fear and paranoia that this family was, uh, was looking to uh, take me out of the game was, was gone. <laughs> and uh, and um, the next few days, um, it kind of came out that, that this kid was, you know, he was smoking marijuana, and, which is fine, and I, I have no problem with that. And, uh, but I think there was something else that, got, that started coming into the supply. There was like this, this, these synthetic marijuana, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does that ring a bell? The PCP kind of stuff, like these, these drugs that don't have names, they just have like letters and numbers, like TH976. And, the, and, and it really makes you psychotic. And, and uh, this kid um, had gone on sort of a bender of this and had completely lost his mind uh, and uh, was, was ha you know, from what I hear later, was, uh, had a knife and was threatening to cut off his penis. And his mother was freaking out, obviously, and he had the burners on in the, in the kitchen and was threatening to burn the house down and was completely out of his mind. And uh, when he came to, when he became conscious and became sort of aware at the LA County Jail after being uh, arrested for the crime of trying to kill me, um, he, he asked, what happened? What am I doing here? What's going on? Why am I in jail? Um, which is way scarier than what happened to me, in my opinion, because I knew what was going on and I could, I could place what was happening in some kind of context and understand it and understand why it was happening. He, he couldn't do that. He had, no, he, he had done something that he shouldn't have done and it led to a gap in time where he ended up in jail. Um, so he had a lot more work to be done to him than I had to be done to me. And uh, I'm fine. <laughs> I can't walk. I know what you saw come up here was 
it took a lot of drugs and it took a lot of courage, but I usually can't walk. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll close it by showing you my scars, right? <laughs> I'm planning on getting plastic surgery because I can't stand to look at my back. There's probably zits back there too. took a picture. That was like the biggest violation of trust I've ever had. <laughs> Delete it, would you? Could you imagine? Anyways, thank you for having me. Uh, hope you learned something. It's a true story. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday, and everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC.